Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. I've had a verse on my heart for a long time now, many weeks, and uh, I just thought it was just for me and, you know, you, as a, a pastor, a preacher, you're often hearing from God, of course, and I'm thinking, okay, is this something that's just God saying to me or is it something that I'm supposed to preach? Because you don't just want to hear God just for the church and you don't just want to hear for yourself and not for the church. But I've, I've come to conclude that it's something that God wants me to bring to the church today. So um, I've had it on my heart now for some, for some time, probably since about July. And it's just a verse that's just been going round and round and round in my head and I've thought about it and prayed about it and, and just, you know, just aligning my life with it really because that's what you do. The Bible says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So I'd like us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we're going to read from verses 3 down to verse 11. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age has uh, blinded, who do not, I'm going to put in there, not yet believe, because <laughs> we want them to believe, not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. It is Almighty God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. Everybody say treasure. 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 We have this treasure. We have this treasure. I love the thought of treasure. As a child, I used to want to find treasure, buried treasure, dig holes in the garden trying to find treasure. I remember once we got a, a detector, a, a metal detector. I don't know, it was a friend of mine had it. And I was going around the garden trying to find buried treasure. But the Bible talks a lot about treasure as well. The Bible says, come on, if you find treasure, sell everything you got to get this treasure. Sell everything. When it's talking about the kingdom of God and the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, says, come on, sell everything to to lay hold of that treasure. In fact, it says sell everything, get hold of the whole field where the treasure is. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, we're not forsaken. Struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying around in our in our flesh, in our physical frame, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be clearly revealed in our lives. For we who live are always being delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be clearly seen, revealed in our lives, in our flesh. As I was thinking about this passage, I love this passage. I love Corinthians, both of them. Um, and this really stirs me up, this passage, about the fact we've got a treasure in our earthen vessels. The light that shines in the face of Jesus Christ. And there are times in the Bible we see that light. We see the glory of God. There, you know, we, or, or we hear accounts of when people have seen the image of Jesus Christ. And he says, his eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze. His hair shines white like wool. His face is like the sun in the noonday strength. I mean, he is glorious. 
And yet the Bible says that same glory has shone into our hearts. And it's a treasure on the inside of us. Sometimes I just sit down or I perhaps just lie on my face and I just think, wow, who that is on the inside of me. He's emptied out the old me and put himself in there. The son of the living God. And I could say so much from this passage about the treasure we have on the inside and what the the outcome of having that treasure on the inside is. Of course, there's character. Of course, there's faith. Of course, there's joy. Of course, there's love. But of course, there's victory. The Bible says, come on, if you've got that treasure on the inside, even though you go through stuff, you're not defeated. You're not struck down. You're not crushed. Even though you're hard pressed, you're not left out. You win every time. (laughs) You win every time. I think sometimes we need to get hold of some, you know, some people who say they're Christians and get them out of that mentality of defeat because the Bible said, do you know who that is on the inside of you? Do you know that glory you've got in there? That person, that son of the living God, King of kings, Lord of lords, death couldn't hold him down. He was raised from the dead, from the lowest place to the highest place. Every knee's gonna bow and confess he's Lord. That's who we've got on the inside of us. He's the healer, he's the deliverer, he's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords. He trampled death, he took away the keys of death, hell and the grave and he triumphed over them by the cross and the resurrection. That's who we have on the inside of us. How can we go around with a long face when the joy of the Lord is on the inside? How can we go around scared of mountains when the faith we have can move any mountain? How can we walk around with fear when love casts out all fear? How can we go around saying, I feel weak when the joy of the Lord on the inside of us is our strength? Who that is on the inside? What a treasure we have. What a treasure we have. And yet right in the, in the centre of this whole, pack, this whole passage is a, a verse which seems to sum everything up. And it made me ask the question the other day, what's it all about? That's what I've entitled today's message. What's it all about? If you can simplify the gospel, if you can simplify the church, if you can simplify our lives, if you can put it all into one just one phrase. I know we're very, yeah, it's very hard to do that. What's it all about? Well, I want to answer that question today. Of course, it's all about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's not a little add on, that's what it's all about. It's all about the gospel. It's all about. The fact that for God so loved this world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever should believe on Him will not perish but have everlasting life. We understand that. But I just want to expand that just a little bit today. So I've got three things from one verse. And the one verse is this. For we do not preach ourselves. Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves but we do preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. That to me seems to sum it all up. It just seems to encapsulate what the whole plan of God seems to be. Number one, 
What is the answer? Number one, do not be self-centered. Do not be self-centered. Very simple message today. Do not be self-centered. For we do not preach ourselves. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about Citygate Church. It's not about who we think we are or what, what anointing we have or what gift we have or what dream we have or what plans we have or what desires we have. It's not about us. Hello? It's not about us. We do not preach ourselves. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how does that sort of go hand in hand with the fact that we're supposed to have a vision? And we do have a vision. We have a very strong vision, a very clear vision. Oh, just to announce, our planning application has been submitted. So this is good news. This is good news. It is in. (laughs) So we are believing God that the favour of God is on this, the hand of God is on this, the blessing of God is on this. We are pushing hard, guys. This is the first of three planning applications going in. The first one is going to determine how we go ahead with the other two. The first one is for a thousand seat auditorium with space for 400 kids, with offices, with, with all sorts of suites and media rooms and a youth hall that's, that's actually this size. And all, it's on a five acre site up the road. Uh, the whole thing's about 30 million quid to do everything that we want to do. And we are believing God that this is going straight in, straight through. It's got to go up to the, the desk of Sadiq. Khan, he's got to stamp it off because it's such a significant development in, in uh, southeast London. So we're going for it. Come on, put a smile on your face. This is, this is good news. Come on. So good. But can I say, with all that going on, it's not about us. It's not about us. See, some people get it all screwed up and they go, oh, you know what? That's just, you know, to have a dream and a... A plan like that's just arrogant. No, it's not arrogant. It's God-given and it's God-centered and it's the plan of God to see His kingdom forcefully advance. We need to see some more cathedrals built in our generation to the glory of God. I love going into old cathedrals. Some of them, some of them just feel like death, but you can go into some and the glory of God is just phenomenal. And you see the most amazing stuff. Have you been to the one that's still being built, taking 100 years so far over in Spain? Barcelona, it's still being built. We've been there once, twice we've been there. And it's like spectacular and the colours in the place. And it's a traditional style of a building with these amazing, it's just incredible. Do you think there's one being built? Come on, we want to see a whole load of new structures built across our world to the glory of God. If Jesus tarries, that the next generation and the one afterwards can can glory in and come in and go, look what they built to the glory of God. But it's still not about us. We're not preaching ourselves. And I just want to really just say, guys, let's not be self-centered. Let's always understand it's not about me and it's not about you. 
Even though we know God has His best for our lives. We're a, we're a church that believes in wealth. We believe in health. We believe in abundance. We believe in abundant life. We believe we're the head and not the tail. We believe we're above only and not beneath. Have your house. Have your 10 houses. Buy your Rolls Royce. Have whatever you want. But make sure it doesn't have you. Make sure it doesn't have you and distract you. The Bible says, he who seeks to be rich will fall. Will. We're not desiring the stuff of this world. We're desiring relationship with God. We're wholehearted going, we're selling everything we have to get the field with the treasure in it. Do you understand? This, this is not about us. Even in all our dream and our desire to, to, to have greatness and to see greatness and to see God do far abundantly above all we can ask or imagine that everything we put our hand to prospers. And we are, you know, you know the, the, the atmosphere and the culture of Citygate Church, but we do not preach ourselves. It's not about us. Hey, look at me. Heaven forbid that we say, no, come on, it's look at Jesus. Look at the kingdom of God. It's Christ in me. It's quite simple today. Do not be self-centered. I'll probably elaborate on that as we go to the third point. But the second point today, it says this, we do not preach ourselves, but we do preach Jesus Christ as Lord. That's a very, very powerful passage. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And I think, you know, it's very clear in the Word of God that every word is God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. He could have said a number of things here. We, we preach Jesus Christ as Saviour. Or we preach Jesus Christ as Healer. Or we preach Jesus Christ as, as Provider. And all those things would be right but he didn't say any of that there. It just says one thing that we preach. If we're going to make this really simple today, then it all has to be boiled down to one thing. Yes, he's saviour. Yes, he's healer. Yes, he's provider. Yes, he's, the, he's, he's God's word made flesh. Yes, he's the good shepherd. Yes, he's all these things. But number one, first and foremost, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. What do we preach? We preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And I've got here in my, in my notes, not just Saviour. Why did I say that? Why is that there as like the main point from this passage? Well, because it's very easy to just preach Jesus Christ as Saviour. If you come to Christ, He'll do this for you. If you come to Christ, He'll heal you. If you come to Christ, he'll sort your life out. If you come to Christ, he'll provide for you. If you come to Christ, he'll give you peace. All that has to do with his salvation. Greek word, sozo, which means, which means the salvation of God, the wholeness of God brought into our lives. And it's really important that we understand he is saviour. He died on the cross as the saviour of the world. But there's something about knowing him as Lord. As Lord. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord. What does it mean to know him as Lord and not just Saviour? Well, it means that there's an understanding that my life is no longer my own. But it belongs 
to Jesus Christ. I know we don't often use this sort of language. I mean, there are people all the way through the Gospels, they come up to him and say, Master, Master. That's quite a strong word, really. Master, Lord, you're my boss. You say it, I do it. I'm obedient to you. We're not a church that preaches the law here by any standards, but you know what? If he says it, yes, sir. Obedience, because he's Lord. He's Lord. And actually, to give your life to Christ is not understanding that he's your Savior. It's saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not Savior. You see, people can see him on the cross and understand that he shed his blood for our salvation. I don't want to be too deep this morning, but I just want us to bring us back just a little, not that we need to come back to anything. I think we're a very balanced church, but just really had this on my heart to say, guys, he's not just our supply. He's our Lord. He's our Lord. We give our lives to him. We submit our lives to Christ. There are some things that perhaps would help us in, in this being very strong on the inside, us, very real. I don't know how often you get on your knees to God. Now we pray and I, I really encourage us how to pray. Head up, arms up, come on, confident and loud and bold and strong. And we've been having some prayer meetings over the last couple of months and we come here, this place explodes with prayer and faith and vision and drive and we're prophesying and we're believing and we're laying hold and we're resisting and we're moving and we're, and, we're, and we're crushing the enemy and we're doing all this stuff. That's a scriptural word for the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet shortly. Don't think that's me being exuberant. That's a Bible word. So this is how we are and we understand this and we pray and we fight and we put up our shield and we draw our sword. And, but you know what? There's a time to just be in the presence of God and understand He's boss and I'm not. He's Lord and I am subject to Him. And there are times, you know, we're not a traditional church. We have our own traditions, I'm sure. <laughs> You know, but we're not a traditional church in the sense of, you know, during the service, everybody does this and then everybody does that and then everybody gets on their knees and then everybody gets up again and then everybody sits down and then we stand up, everybody says things. And we, you know, we're not that type of a liturgical church. And I can remember I was, you know, as a, a child, I was, I was brought up in that sort of an environment and I can remember I'd get down on my knees. They had a cushion there, made it really nice. Made it really comfortable. I'm glad they did. There's a cushion there and I'd get down and, you know, and then you get up again and then you, and you do all this sort of stuff. But it wasn't really my heart that was kneeling down. It was just my knees. Because if everybody else knelt down and I stood up, I'd feel really weird. So I just did what everybody else did. It's not about what you do on the outside. But the outside should mirror what's going on on the inside. 
And I don't know, when's the last time you knelt down in the presence of God? Or let's go one step further and let's get what the Bible really talks about. And it says, you know, it says that they prostrated themselves in the presence of God. Now, I must admit, for me, that's what I do far more than get on my knees. I don't know, I'm not really a kneeler, but I am a face down on the floor. There are times I'll just be in the presence of God. And again, I'm not preaching myself here. But, uh, you know, there are times you just get into the presence of God and you're just there. And you're not saying anything. You're not saying anything. You're just saying, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. What do you want to do in me? What do you want to say to me? What do you want to adjust in me? What do you want to challenge in me? What do you want to strengthen in me? Jesus, I'm just making myself available to you. You are my Lord. Yes, you're my Savior. You provide for me in every way, but right now, you're my Lord. And I think perhaps that's why some people, you know, perhaps don't have the type of the type of Christian experience, we're not an experiential church, but perhaps some people don't have the type of Christian experience that perhaps some other people have because I do think it comes down to how much we see Jesus as Lord. If he's Lord, he's able to turn up his presence. Lordship is a very powerful thing. He's not a dictator, he's Lord. He's not a manipulator, He's Lord. He's not a control freak. He's Lord. And what's the third thing today? As we close, actually. So the first one is we do not preach ourselves. This is not about you and I. The second thing is, but we do preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And I'd love to. It's something we preach. Never be embarrassed to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Never be embarrassed to say Jesus is my Lord. You see, yes, we want to be attractive and we use attractional language. Absolutely. We don't go up and start a conversation. Hey, do you know Jesus? It's like, you're the weird freak. <laughs> you're, the, you're the weird one. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Ooh. No, you're the weird one. If you go into work like that, please, no wonder you're not bringing anybody. <laughs> Do you want to come to my church? No. <laughs> but then on the other hand, don't ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ as your Lord. Your Lord. I live for Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus 35 years ago. These are things we shouldn't be embarrassed about. I'm, you know, I don't just go to church. I've given my life to God. Because he's Lord. But the third thing that we do not preach ourselves, we do preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And thirdly, lastly, we live the life of a servant. He says, we don't preach ourselves, but we do preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves your servants, and the inference here is, and we preach ourselves, your servants, for his sake. We preach ourselves, your servants, for his sake. This is probably the main part of my message today. 
And it's something that I think can only really be accomplished in us as we understand his lordship. And as we understand that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's about, it's about understanding that I must decrease, He must increase in our lives. But, but this third point is really where the rubber hits the road. That we live the life of a servant. Listen to some of these scriptures. This is what the Lord Jesus said. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many people. What else did Jesus say? Whoever wants to follow me must take up his cross every day. What else did Jesus say? He said this, he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. What else did Jesus say? Whoever does not take up his cross every day, he cannot be my disciple. These are pretty strong words. These are pretty strong words that we got to understand Jesus said. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says this, For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labour of love that you've shown towards his name. See, I hear a lot of Christians exalting the name of Jesus. And, oh God, let it be all for your name and all for your glory. God, I want to serve your name. I want to, I want to reveal your name. You know, Jesus said that I've revealed your name, Father, to those who you've given me. And then he sent them out into the world to show Jesus' name to the people around us. We love the power of the name of Jesus. We understand the power of the name of Jesus. Speak his name, people get healed. Speak his name, demons flee, speak His name, mountains move. We understand the power of the name, but the Bible says we're supposed to show service to that name. Service to that is, is not just a name to declare in prayer, it's a name to honour, it's a name to worship, and it's a name to serve. For God is not unjust to, show, uh, to forget your work and your labour of love, which you have shown towards His name. Have we done that, God, in that you have served the saints? You've served the saints. That's what this says. Just put it in everyday English. He's, that you serve people and you continue to serve. Today's very practical, really. If we say we're a Christian, number one, it's not about us. Number two, it's all about his lordship. And number three, we serve people. That's it. We are not servants. We're sons of God who choose to serve. We serve people. As I was thinking about this today, I was thinking about all the things that happen when you serve God and the outcome of serving. Got about a dozen of these things. Number one, what does serving do? Serving will demonstrate love for the name of Jesus. First and foremost. It shows that we love God. When we serve people, it shows we love God. If we harden our heart to people, how can we say we love God and we don't love and serve the people around us? What else does serving do? Serving lifts other people up. It lifts them. Everywhere Jesus went, he said this, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What a great expression. That should be in our everyday language. What can I do for you? 
Not just if we work on a reception desk and somebody comes in and says, how can I help you? It should just be part of our culture. What can I do for you? Not because it's a job, but because it's a, it's a heart for serving God. What can I do for you today? What can I do for you? Anybody, how can I help? When's the last time perhaps you just walked into a room and said, how can I help? What can I do? See, let's not make this super spiritual. Let's not make this, oh, I need a gift from God and an anointing from God. No, let's just walk into a room and be helpful. And you know what? As we just walk into a room and we say, how can I help? What can I do? How can I serve? What does it do? It lifts the whole thing up. We lift other people up when they serve them. Oh man, I'd love to get into the word. It says to bless someone is a very powerful word in the Hebrew. It's the word barak, which comes from bara, which is your knee. To serve means to get down on your knee. Sorry, to bless means to get down on your knee and say, what can I do for you? If we want to bless our community, the church should be down on its knees saying, Bromley, what can we do for you? What can we do for you, Bromley? How can we serve you, Lewisham? How can we lift you up, Croydon? Get down on our knees and, and actually, I mean, I love this stuff. I, I, I can remember we had a life-changing sermon here probably 10 years ago, Dr. Richard Perrinchief. Drop the rocks, roll up your sleeves, serve your community. It just was life-changing for Citygate Church. And again, it's that same spirit. It's saying, what can I do for you? Not what can you do for me because we're not preaching ourselves. It's not about us. It's what can we do for somebody else? How can we serve? You see people, you know, perhaps come in here Sunday by Sunday and know, perhaps you've never asked, what can I do? How can I help? How can I serve? It lifts other people up. Number three, it's really clear in the Bible, serving brings great eternal reward. We've already read today that how God will not forget your labour of love that you serve people. The Bible talks about eternal rewards. Now we're not doing this just to stack up more and more mansions in heaven. Hey, I've got a 10 bedroom mansion coming. How many bedrooms has your coming? <laughs> Yours got coming, have you got coming? It's, it's, no, that's not why we do it, but I certainly don't want to arrive and have no reward. And your reward comes from serving people. Have you ever thought about this? You know, the fact that, wow, Pastor Jay, you preached a great sermon. I've got no rewards for preaching great sermons because it's a gift. Does that I'm not saying I do preach great sermons, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm not going to stand before God and God says, wow, you were fantastic on that platform. Well done. That's not where I'm getting the rewards from. The rewards I'm getting from are how I serve just everyday life. Seriously, we got to get, you see, some people think, oh, I want this great calling. Well, if you do, it's not you. It's not me. It's the gift of God. It's the grace of God. No, it's the things that come from our everyday life experience as a Christian where we just say, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever I can to make somebody else's life great, to lift other people up, to make a difference in this world. And there is great eternal reward for that. What else? Serving reaps a great harvest. The Bible's clear, whatever you sow, you reap. 
Now again, I'm not serving other people just so people can serve me. That's not what I'm saying. But there is incredible harvest when you serve. For everything you sow, you will reap. And God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap in Jesus' name. That's not just a financial verse. That's a verse for everyday life. Dear God, the the church should be the greatest serving place on the earth. How we serve others. How we serve within the church. How we serve our community. What else? This is a simple one. Serving gets the job done. Serving gets the job done. Isn't that good news? I'm going to be really honest with us today, and this is not where it's all come from, but, but I told my team what I'm going to be preaching on today, and they jumped on the bandwagon and said, absolutely, great, let's make something available to the church. Let's really focus the attention of the church. You know what? There's a lot of job to get done in Citygate Church. There's a lot of job to get done. There's a lot of job. It's not just a, a Sunday here. But even if you just think about the Sunday, there's this place that needs to get set up. There's all outside that needs to be nice and clear so we don't climb over rubbish when we come through. There's, um, there's obviously Kids Church, which is a major, major deal. It's a major deal. 160 kids on a Sunday or more. 304 kids at the moment in the church. That's, that's, that's like the size of a small school. Seriously, each of those kids' teachers need to be CRB checked and trained, and people give that. And these people are volunteers. They're volunteers. How dare we ever think that we just come into a place like this and just expect people to serve me, me and my kids? I mean, what a wrong, wrong type of a mentality. These people are serving out the kindness of their heart. I think of, I won't, you know, to start to say names, but I think of some people, they're on about three or four teams. We've got somebody who's on the band three, you know, three Sundays out of four and, and, and he's doing kids church one or two Sundays a month and, and it's like, and then he's doing this and then he's running small groups and then he's this and then he's that. And I'm thinking, dear God, he's just serving everywhere. And other people just come in, sit down and never ask the question, how can I serve? Don't, you know, don't they think there's a job to be done? Is, is this, a, this is a, a bit of an unusual Sunday morning, but I'm preaching it, guys. I'm just saying it as it is. Just saying it as it is. We've got over two, over 250, over 260, I think it is, people on Dream Team in the church. 260 people serving somewhere out of 704. No, actually, that's 704 adults, plus we got, uh, let's say 800 of the serving age. We got just over 1,000 people in the church, real people. So let's have the serving age, so not six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, because those, you know, they all serve in their kids' church, but of the serving age, we've got, let's say, 800 now, real people. And we love the fact we got 250 people on the dream team, but that means 450, 550 aren't serving anywhere. That's quite a shock, really. That's quite a shock. So people are sort of, you know, they come in and they love the worship and they, and they say, but hey guys, there's a job to get done. Hello? Now, you know, to serve is all sorts of different things. Some people serve and they're up to their eyeballs. You know, perhaps they haven't got kids. <laughs> we know kids changes your life. Perhaps they're single, perhaps they're young married or, or whatever it is. And they're, 
life has incredible demands. Some people like work 70, 80, 80 hours a week. You're a doctor, you're a nurse. Perhaps you're traveling all the time. We get that. Some people serve financially. They're financial leaders in the church and their serving is to give over and above in a very significant way. Other people serve and they're on three or four teams. Is this okay? I'm just being really open and really honest here today. Serving is who we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus as Lord and ourselves your servants. Let's put that third one in there. This is what it is to be a Christian. Serving somewhere. Oh, but Pastor Joe, I'm too busy. What, we're too busy for the Word of God to be fulfilled in our lives? No, come on. We serve somewhere. Doesn't, it's not all about church. Perhaps you serve in the community. I found out somebody does beavers and, and back, what is it, scouts, the Girl Scouts, brownies and all that sort of stuff. Is that right? I think I saw somebody with a, a helping in brownies somewhere anyway, doing something. It's like, great, this is not all church-centred. Let's serve our community. Perhaps you serve on a charity. Some people who do everything, then you find out they're doing a whole load more out there somewhere. Isn't that that great? We preach ourselves your servants. So serving gets the job done. What else? Serving, it it will do something on the inside of you. It will build you into a bigger person. I know somebody came here and preached some time ago. We're not trying to build a big church. We're trying to build big people. And that just, boom, that was fantastic. Pastor Paul Scanlon, actually. We want to build big people. Well, a big person is someone who lives a selfless life. Come on, I'm not getting any yes, amen, good preaching, Pastor Jay. Whoop, whoop, this is awesome today. We're loving it. Come on, explode. Yeah. Thank you. Not getting a lot of that today. This is one of those ones that's like, oh my word, this is heavy, isn't it? Dear God, give us a break, Pastor Jay. You're just hammering us this morning. I like this one, serving shows Christian maturity. Immature people live for themselves. Quite simply, it's about me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. I exalt me. I exalt me, oh me. But mature Christians, you know what they do? They live for other people. They serve someone else. They put themselves down and they lift other people up. That's a sign of maturity. Serving shows Christian maturity. What else does serving do? Are you enjoying my list here? Serving builds relationships. Oh, have you ever been in those relationships? Well, they're not relationships. But have you ever... Have you ever been in, you know, some kind of relationship with somebody? It could be marriage. Hopefully you worked that out before you ever got married. Right? Don't be surprised afterwards. Find out beforehand. Do our marriage course. It'll help. Um, but, you know, perhaps it's that close in or perhaps it's a business relationship. Perhaps it's a job. Perhaps it's a, a child, parent, child, and they grow up and they develop, they change. I know perhaps it's a community one. Perhaps it's somebody on team here in Citygate. I don't know, but, but, but have you ever been in those relationships when it's all one way? Hello? 
It's all one way. It's all one-sided. They're always take, 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 take. Oh, perhaps I'm the only one that's ever experienced that, and it's not Sharon. I'm just saying, just saying, I want to go home to a happy house today. Absolutely. 32 years married because I give way all the time. There you go. No, not at all. Not at all. But have you ever been in those relationships when it's all take, 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 take on one, one side or the other? And often the people doing the taking just don't realise. It's all just, it's all about me all the time. Just take, 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 take. That's what I'm saying. Find that out before you marry. Yeah? Don't believe the little nice, happy, honeymoony bit. Yeah, that's not the reality of relationship. Anyway. It's any relationship is give and take. Any relationship's built on compromise, not compromise of conviction, but compromise of personal preference. There's a huge difference there. You never compromise your conviction. If, if you're getting into a relationship which is causing compromise of conviction, you're in the wrong relationship. Yeah. Boom. It's just you're in the wrong one. If you've got to compromise what you know to be true, forget it. You're in the wrong one. But there, there's always compromise of personal preference. Oh, I don't like getting up early in the morning. Uh, tough, you got to. That's the, what the relationship demands. I've got to put the shelves up. I've got to mow the lawn. I got to do all that stuff. All of that. But this is about what we give and what we receive together. What does it do? Serving builds relationship. When you serve someone else and they serve you, relationship is built strongly. What else? Serving will always release great joy, even if it's tough even if it's a bit of hard work. What else? Serving brings exaltation. The Bible says God exalts the humble. God, when you, when you and I, when we humble ourselves and we serve someone else, God lifts us up. Can I hear an amen this morning? And the last point today as we close, serving brings people to Christ and it gives them eternal life. We serve people into the kingdom of God. We don't just preach at them, you need to give your life to Jesus. No, we serve them into the kingdom of God. What can I do for you? How can I be a blessing? How can I serve you? How can I lift you up? How can I empower you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I bless you? And you know what that opens people's hearts? This is right in the middle about hearts being veiled, minds being blinded. But in the middle of it all, we serve people and they come to Christ. Isn't that wonderful? What is it, that old expression? There isn't going to be anybody listen to what you say until they see how much you care and how much you serve. Do you get anything out of that today? We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord and we preach ourselves, your servant, for Jesus' sake. As a close today, and I make no apology for this. We're going to be those who do the word. And this is the first time I've ever done this from the platform. Under the seat in front of you, there is a dream team form. 
And on that dream team form, perhaps you're already on the dream team. Oh, you just preach that to get people to serve. No, I preach that for people to serve. The get bit is our choice. (laughs) But there's a form there today and we've got an area set up in the lounge today. That's right, isn't it, Sally? We've got an area set up today where you can go and ask any questions you want to ask. Now, this is something we do through the growth track. This year, we've had, we've had about 100 people do growth track already. We've got another growth track happening in November. So please, if you've not done growth track, I ask you, have you done growth track? And we just love everybody to fill one of these out today. And this is not saying I'm signing up to something. It's I want a conversation about this. What does it mean to be in the praise band? What does it mean to be on the, on the connect team, the youth team? What does it mean to be on the sound, the lights, the media? What does it mean to be on the gardening team? What does it mean to be on the cleaning team? What does it mean to be on, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a steward, a Citygate worship, photography team, food plus? What does it mean to be on the facilities and gardening? What does it mean to be on the driving team? What does it mean to be on the hospitality and the events, creativity and production, small group leadership, the the toddler group we have next door, 300 kids a year. We have more people serving in in the community than we've ever had in the church. It's It's quite a shock really. More people serving on the greatest mother. It, it actually was, was um, you know, on the thing in Kent. We, became, we were number two in Kent. Number two in Kent of the most excellent parent carer toddler group in Kent. You know, Big Kent is one of the counties in England. We were number two. And yet probably most people here wouldn't have a clue. And it's served by the community, even though it's probably our greatest opportunity for outreach in the church. Wow, what does it mean to be a part of of that team, the Connect team, CityGate Kids? And I'm going to ask us to do something about the message today. We're going to consider serving in the church. Now, these aren't the only areas of serving. There's other areas. But we're going to think about this. And we're going to say, yep, I want a conversation about this. I'm going to stop being the Christian who takes or just take, 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 take. And I'm going to be the Christian who wants to lift other people up. Is that okay? Let's pray today, shall we? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your heart for us, Lord, that we are those who are blessed, incredibly blessed. Lord, your hand is upon us. The most amazing things going on, most amazing outpouring of your Spirit in the church and people coming to Christ. And Lord, this is the dream we've been praying for for so, so many years. Lord, we're growing exponentially. And Father, we want to Grow well. Grow a healthy church. Lord, be a church that is a city on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand in our community where we, we serve our community in the most amazing ways, not for our glory. We're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord. So Father, we thank you today for that which you've done in us and you've stirred some things in us. And Lord, we want to lay hold today, Lord, of your kingdom in a new way. 
Lord, as we've heard today, you said we're, Lord, to take up our cross. We're to serve other people. Lord, we're here not to just be blessed, but to be blessed to be a blessing. Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we put our hand to the plough, as we all go forward together, as we march forwards together, Lord, we are an invincible army. Incredible family. A functioning under the head. We're the functioning uh, body of Christ. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise here today, shall we? We're going to close our service. We're going to close our service today and we're right out of time. And um, I apologise for that. But, but if you have been a guest here today, perhaps you've got some questions about Jesus. We'd normally do a whole response thing now in the service. But, but if you're here today and you want to know more about Jesus Christ and about the things that this church uh, stands for and believes, we'd love to have a chat with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Let's go and help make somebody else's life great. God bless you.